Good day, everyone. I am Matt Harrison, and you are listening to the Giri Cast on Sport Direct Radio, the Malaga fan podcast for all the Giris out there. Is the writing on the wall for Pablo Guede at Malaga after another loss? Well, the writing was literally written on the wall for Guede this past week as fans graffitied the walls of Malaga's training ground with their thoughts on Guede, Manolo Gaspar and other members of the the club's backroom staff and people in the office. But the club still seem to be back in their man for the moment. On this week's episode, we will be looking back at Sunday's 1-0 lost away to Huesca before looking ahead to another away game this coming Monday as Malaga heads south and away from the mainland to Tenerife. To discuss that game, we'll be joined by the Armada Sioux, Chris Todd, later in the episode. But first... Speaking of armadas, let me introduce you to my own imperious fleet of ships, but a fleet that bears the flag of Giricast co-hostmanship. Introducing the SS Chris Marquez and the SS Alex Ashmore. First of all, how are you, Chris? I'm doing very well. Seeing that ugly Alex Ashmore face back in the podcast really helps a bit. And um, my question is, Alex, you're still in, uh, in the States? Yeah, I'm in Florida. Fly home tomorrow. Oh, that's commitment to the can, Gary Cast Can we expect you back then, like fully, like also on our socials? Yeah, all back because I'm well, yeah back in the UK as of Friday morning, so I'm good to go from then. Excellent stuff, and we should say, Alex, for those I think it's been referenced on the podcast. You've been traveling around South America, and obviously you've now been in North America. You've taken in a bit of football in Colombia, and uh, you're at Inter Miami last night. Has there been a particular highlight, footballing or otherwise, on your trip? Um, been a wonderful trip. I the football was it was an experience. I don't know if you know whoever whoever's seen my story uh, on Instagram the day I went to see a match in Cali and it, it's just it's nothing like I've ever seen before like it's just crazy um, you know the fans they're quite passionate when we went to the ticket office because the tickets weren't scanning for some reason so we went to the ticket office and they were like why are you in that stand they were like well it's the cheapest tickets and they were like worried so they gave us like a security escort <laughs> to the stand and then they were speaking to like the I guess the main guys in the in the stand saying can you watch out for these guys so oh it felt a little bit you know quite scary from the offset but no it was a really good experience and well you know for anyone who gets the chance to go to South America would wholeheartedly recommend it so did they look out for you? Are you serious? Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I guess so. There was, you know, it was quiet. I was actually worried for the first time. I didn't want the home team to score because when they scored... Like... Alex Ashmore, the king of understatement, saying about um, America de Cali fans, they're quite passionate. <laughs> um, yeah, but how bad was it? Because I saw uh, on social media today a picture of uh, last weekend in Argentina, a guy being shot outside the stadium and left for dead. And yeah, the, the game started. He, the guy was just outside the stadium being shot, and he was dead on the ground. And the uh, match started anyway. So, how, how bad was your uh, football experience? Like, how, how dangerous was it? It wasn't that bad, thankfully. I think you know there was a lot of police presence. It did, you know, made you feel a bit on edge when the police had riot shields. You know, metal coverings over their knees, their legs, their arms. They're like bulletproof vests on. And you're just thinking, like, you know, this could all kick off if something goes wrong. Um, 
you know, there's you know all sorts of stuff going on, but it, it's it's a lot of passion, and I think you know it was controlled in a way. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was there was points where I was like, you know, I, I don't want them to get too wild because I, I could <laughs> you know see myself flying down the stand. Yeah, this is, this sounds but, very uh, this sounds how very. Heavy, how heavy was Inter Miami? Inter Miami was. The opposite end of the spectrum from America to Cali, really. <laughs> there was probably, you know, in an 18,000-seater stadium, there was maybe 10,000 people there, um, quite quiet. And then we had a lightning delay at half time, So we actually left because, you know, it was about an hour and a half waiting for <laughs> an half-hour journey home. So, no, it was quite quite the contrast to uh, America to Cali, but both both good experience. Got to see Gonzalo Higuain, which was something. Uh, he's still got it. And yeah, no, it was interesting to see Phil Neville as well, who seems to have tried to pick up some of Sir Alex Ferguson's, I don't know, sitting down, leaving the warm up to the coaches. Yeah, he, he's got something about him. Okay, um, we're going to turn back towards Malaga. You mentioned uh, Gonzalo Higuain there, who is having a good time in Miami at the moment. Uh, Malaga have an Argentinian down here, um, who is manager, Pablo Guede, who's not having a good time. Um, and, you know, we talked on last week's pod about the fans chanting against him in the last home game. Of course, Malaga lost again this weekend away to Huesca. And Chris, obviously, there was not many away fans to chant at Pablo Guede there this week, but they have expressed themselves a different way this week. Yes. With, uh, well, I... I can't call it graffiti because graffiti is a form of art. It's more uh, quotes written on the wall, hmm. on the wall of the training complex of Malaga. Yes. And um, well, we sh- we share the pictures on our socials, uh, but um, let's translate them. Okay. Well, we have translated them already. <laughs> um, we start with Anna Vera, who is the uh, who's in charge of the marketing department and the uh, communication department, so the press. Um, and her quote was, Anna Vera, leave football and be a mojito maker. It's, it's certainly a strange one, that one, but uh, yes, that's what it says. Yeah, because it's very, it makes a lot of sense that we're losing matches because of her. Gwede <laughs> uh, leave. Yeah, Gwede Fuere, yeah. And Manolo Gaspar, AliExpress. <laughs> Manolo, leader of the Black Sheep. Yes. Bravo, Jose, me, and uh, the rest. And, uh... and we have uh, Jose Maria, numbers, yes. Football, no f***ing idea. That, that one actually made me laugh a little bit. It was quite funny. <laughs> but yes, it's, uh, it's not uh, a good uh, look, is it? Let, let, let me say it first, be, before we talk about this. I... These writing on walls, I, I think it's a good, it's it's a bad thing, and we we step away from it. We don't encourage it, or I don't even like it. Second of all, Anna Vera has nothing to do with football. She does all the best, the best she can. She's a very nice person. We work with her, and I don't know, I, I don't understand it. Manolo Gaspar, well, maybe he did, a, he, he made good signings this this summer, maybe. He forgot to sign some wingers, okay? But he did a great job. Uh, and Jose Maria numbers, yes, football, no fucking idea. Maybe, but he doesn't have to. Yeah. 
wow. his work is to get Malaga right on track, and I think we still exist exist thanks to him. So, well, the next thing you we can have say something about Manolo Gaspar, and you can say something about weather, but the rest. Well, I was going to say the next thing on the sort of news agenda, which we'll talk about shortly, is the fact that uh, Malaga now have the sixth highest salary cap in the league. Um, you know, when we started this podcast, Chris, you know, I might be wrong here. I think we had the lowest in the league at the time or certainly towards the bottom. So um, I think that does show Jose Maria Munoz does know a thing or two about numbers. And like you said, that's that's what we needed at the time. And, you know, that's what we still need because we don't have anyone properly running the club. So, yes, uh, I don't. The fun thing is you mentioned the start of the of the Geary Coast. Um I was thinking about this week's podcast and what I was going to say and what I wanted to say. And when I see those name, when I saw those names come up on the on the wall, I thought, why is our name not up there? Because Malaga has been playing awful since we started this podcast two and a half years ago. So, if there's anyone to blame, maybe we we have a part in it. So, Giri Casvetti, yeah, Giri Casvetti, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Admittedly, we should add, when we started, we were right down there towards the bottom. When we started, we did oversee us get out of relegation. And actually, then we, we sort of, our first full season was the Pérez season, which was, you know, fairly successful. Not the most exciting season, but fairly successful. So we, we've had our moments, but yeah, it's not been a... I can't really, apart from last season where we, ha- we won all those home games, I can't really remember... Utter joy on this podcast, <laughs> really, which is sad. No, but it's coming. I, I feel that it's coming. Okay. Um, Alex, any thoughts on the graffiti gate or graffiti wall, I guess? Um, no, I think I wholeheartedly agree with what Chris said, really. I think, you know, fair enough if you want to criticise Gwede, if you want to criticise Manolo Gaspar, go for it. But, you know, to criticise, you know, people who are running the club on the day-to-day, trying to keep it afloat, in what are really difficult times, especially not just with what happened at Malaga, but you know, the pandemic. Running a football club is, is really hard. And I think, you know, I, I'm not being critical of football fans, and I know they're passionate, they want the best for their club, but I think sometimes they can expect too much too soon. And I think, you know, it's it probably is unrealistic for, for them to expect an immediate turnaround. This is a group of, what, 13 new players this season. It's going to take time. Yeah, things don't turn around just like that. It takes time. Okay, maybe we can talk about our own views on Pablo Guede. Um, maybe when we get to the Huesca section, we'll just um, run through a couple of other little news stories. I think the graffiti stuff was being the big story this week. We should add. I think it's been painted over now, Chris, already. Or yes, it uh, yesterday directly after. Uh, well, it was painted on there yesterday. Uh, the the in the night. Okay. Be, day before yesterday. It, Somebody wrote the text on, on the wall and yesterday they removed it already and uh, wrote, the club wrote on the wall, uh, uh, Compromiso y Fe. Memoria Compromiso y Fe on the wall. Ah, oh, that's cool. Okay, so just a couple of other things. I've already mentioned the salary limit. It was announced that Malaga would have the sixth highest salary limit in the league. So we do have a playoff salary, you know, if we're going to go on that sort of a... Uh, that sort of criteria. But uh, so, like we've said, I, I don't think we need to dwell on it too much. It's a hell of a turnaround in the last uh, 
two or three seasons. I should just add it's uh, Granada, a top with 29 million, Leganes, 19, Ibar, third with 13, Levante with 12 million, which surprised me actually. I thought they'd have a bit more. Uh, Las Palmas with 11 and a half and then Malaga with I think it's about eight and a half nine I, I, I read a couple of different numbers I read 8.2 we have to we have to thank um, also the Malaga mayor for that and the city of Malaga who uh, well, gave the club another uh, 1.5 million euros mm-hmm. and um, Ser, uh, Ser Deportivos asked the Malaga mayor yesterday at the other event about another sport, about uh, the situation in Malaga. And he said, uh, well, it's not looking good. It's not going well. I expect uh, changes really soon yes. from Malaga. I was going to mention not, it later. Not referring to, uh, not referring to Gede or anyone. So Yeah, because um, they have invested, like you said, I think it's about one and a half, did one and a half million, I think they've put it. Yes. Or? And he did say, I, I read the same interview, I hope the club react or something he said, didn't he? And again, yes. he was uh, quite vague in it, but, you know, he's some, you know, I don't think he was like scathing and say, you know, I, I, it was hard to read between the lines, I think, whether he was saying Gwede needs to go or he was implying something else. But uh, yes, um, I, I was going to bring that up later, but that does seem a good time to mention it. That Yes, he's, uh, he's helped too. And uh yeah, interesting character, Francisco de la Torre. So, uh, but thank you for the money, Francisco. Um, just quickly, it was just maybe two things or three things, really. Um, last week, I feel a bit silly because I said I'd like to see Hicham back and Chris said, well, he's not ours anymore. And I thought, oh, well, you know, he must be injured or something. Um, on my walk in this summer, I clearly missed the fact that he has left Malik. <laughs> Um, and he's yes. one of my favourites, but he's he's just signed for um, Vida, uh, Vaidad Casablanca, which is... Uh, the, the most uh, decorated team in Moroccan football. And I, I quite like them because uh, John Toshak managed them in 2014, I think, to a Moroccan title. So they've got a Welsh. Are they a second, uh, a second uh, tire uh, club? Are they? I don't know. No, well, I don't know. They, unless something's changed, they were always like a Champions League or African Champions League club. They're a massive mm. club. There's, I'd say one of the biggest derbies in African football is Vaidad Casablanca v Raja Casablanca. And also, forgive me for pronunciation there, I'm probably saying them wrong. I've read a lot about them. Uh, I've not uh, not said those words out loud very often. But uh, it's I particularly was either of them, actually. It'd be very high on my to-go-to lists. But I've heard going to either club is quite scary. So... Um, I have watched football in Morocco and it is quite intense. And if they are the most intense, um, I might have an Alex Ashmore experience in America de Cali. So uh, um, anyway, it's just less intense and a, probably a, a much smaller crowd. Um, Atletico Malagueno have started this season. They did really well last year, of course, but uh, sadly started with a loss this year to Atletico Pocuna. Uh I was looking through the starting 11 of Atletico Malagueno and... There's not as many standout names as last season, I don't think. There's, there's Alex Ashmore favourite, Issa Fomba, of course. And uh, I think we've mentioned Moussa as well at uh, centre-back they played. And I think Alex Rico's been in the first team a couple of times, or in the squad, I think. I seem to remember seeing his name. But uh, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try my best to go to an Atletico Malagueno game this year because uh, I have been to one before, but didn't go to any last year when they were doing well. Um, hopefully it matches up with a senior game on the same weekend. Um, and Chris, we do usually have our update from Rocio, but we don't this week. Why? Because they're playing in an hour, I believe. Okay. So... Uh, the Copa de la Reina match against Granada. <sighs> Very strong, strong team, Granada. Great stuff. So we'll have... Pre- Malaga. Show. Yes, Vamos Malaga. Um, I'm guessing we'll have a bumper edition of Rocio's update next week. But again, as yes, well... Yes, as- because Malaga, won their, uh, Malaga Femenino also won their first match this weekend. Excellent stuff. And as usually happens in this news section, we say, oh, Malaga Femenino have won. And then I go, but anyway... We have to take it back to the men's team, the senior team. And that's what we're going to do in the next part where we talk about yet another loss. Possibly a slightly more cruel loss than previous weeks, but you can't argue with the facts. Sunday evening saw Malaga lose 1-0 away at Huesca, and that is now four losses in five games this season. As always, with our review of these games, we'll go back to the start of the evening, Sunday evening, when there was possibly some optimism as Guede actually went with a team, Chris, which was pretty similar to what me, you and Nick said we'd like to see um, on the previous episode, we said we'd like to see um, Ndaye starting and we had a discussion about should Gennaro go centre-back or Scassi? Uh, Scassi dropped back there. So when you saw this start in 11, Chris, were you happy? Were you optimistic? I was pretty optimistic and pretty ha- happy. Hmm. I should I should say as well, the other name I, I forgot to mention there was uh, Fran Villabar coming in for his first start um alex fran Viabar, obviously he did touch uk shores briefly are you excited about him at the club well i think you know i, I i've seen bits of him and have a bit of knowledge about it i didn't know what, what clubs did he play for in the uk um he played for birmingham very briefly or might have been a season on loan um but he was at birmingham well, hopefully he's got a bit of that, you know, championship, whatever level league Birmingham were at the time, championship league one hardness that can, you know, uh, give Malaga that extra boost. But no, I think he's, you know, hopefully a player that can boost the Malaga squad. And well, it, it is about the, these new players. They will need time. Um, broken record again. They'll need time to, you know, gel together with the original members of the squad. And yeah, I think that's, a positive that we've got these these new players in because you know obviously we needed them. Yeah, and again, I think we talked a lot about the four four two Malaga play, and I think again this was a four four two which was similar to the one we lost with the week before. It was very narrow with uh, Gayar out on the wing who was sort of cutting inside and um, Viava who um, I, I might talk about a little bit more later. But overall, Chris. I think Malaga started this game pretty well. I uh, totally agree. I saw two teams who were uh, fairly equal in the first half. Um, although Malaga didn't create any shots on target, I thought they were playing well. 
Yeah, uh, my my take um, from that, particularly the first, I'd say the last, t- oh sorry, the first 10, 15 minutes was a bit slow and sort of eyeing each other up a little bit. But for the rest of the half, the thing that jumped out at me with Malaga was how calm they looked on the ball. They didn't look, I don't know whether that was just uh, Huesca dropping off, but they seemed to have lots of time on the ball. They weren't making stupid passes. It was just like really control. And, you know, for a team that's sort of obviously not had a very good start to the season and that, you know, the psychological effects that come with that, they just looked really quite measured and playing like nice triangles. And, you know, I guess this is where you've sort of just alluded to it a bit there. They were keeping the ball, but maybe they did need someone to play that, I've just said, silly pass, but maybe a silly pass might have opened something up. I, I don't know if that's how you saw it too. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, yeah, I, I think Malaga was, was pretty decent. Huesca wasn't also not that bad. I think they were... It was really equal. Like, in the sec, in the first half, none of, of them was the better team. Yeah, I think... Um, I don't know. It depends, because I, I guess we could say, like, Malaga had all the ball, and you could say, well... You know, of course, Malaga were a much better team. And I think when I was sitting in the bar watching it and I was tweeting about it, I was probably saying this is one-sided, this is really one-sided. And this only in the days later, when I've been reflecting on it, it's almost like, well, I don't know, maybe Huesca let us keep the ball because we weren't really doing much with it and they were waiting to pounce on us. I should say we had 62% possession, which, again, I, I, I'm not like big on just focusing on possession stats, but... It does tell a little bit of the story there of this game, I think. Uh, Alex, any thoughts on sort of what Malaga got up to in the first half? I mean, yeah, you say 62% possession, but only one shot on target. Uh, I think it sort of says a lot about what, when you said, you know, Wesker letting us keep the ball. I can imagine they were thinking, well, we just sit off, soak up the pressure. And then, you know, I did notice something when, when Wesker were attacking, we were giving them a lot of space, uh, especially for the goal, which we'll come on to later. But, you know, it, it felt like you're not backing off in, in the defending and, you know, in, in attack when you only have one shot on target out of 11, you're something going wrong. Yeah, and I, I mentioned it on last week's pod and I sort of checked the stats again this week. La- I said last week we had the most shots in the league. We're still... The second most with one shot behind Cartagena, but when you look at shots on target percentage, we're we're like sort of just in the middle, I think. So I think that does tell a story of uh, where this Malaga team is um, lacking and misfiring, although we could perhaps talk about another part of the pitch shortly. Um, Nick Bell is not here. We were saying about Malaga not creating chances, but I thought in the first half, Alex Fairbass was the one that looked to be trying to make something happen, Chris. Yeah, he was. Uh, I want to don't want to give away my bisnaga already, but I think we all have the same bisnaga. So he was the best player on the pitch again for Malaga. Yeah, he he was like he was running at them, wasn't he? Like I was saying, we were yeah. passing the ball around really neat and tidy, but he was the one that would sort of put his head up and run at them. And uh, I, I don't know, there was there was a couple of times he run into the box and. I don't know if we blame Fairbass where his final ball wasn't good enough, but I don't think it was. It was almost like, I don't know, people weren't in the right position or around him for him to latch on to 
some of his near posts. You post. also need a bit of, of luck, maybe, because I, I saw some passes, Malaga trying to give some passes, Febos and also Gajar and Vialba. But I think also the the box of um, of Wesca was uh, very crowded yes. with, uh, with Wesca players. So then it's difficult to score a goal. Yes, definitely. But, uh, you know, I think he has to take the positives from that performance. And we do. He was, uh, as, as you've already alluded to, he was very, uh, very, he was brilliant again. Um, certainly first half. I, I think he was a bit quiet the second half, not to say... He, he probably still was our best player second half. Um, Alex, of course, you've not really been on the podcast uh, for quite a while. Um, have you been impressed with Alex Fairbus's start to the season? Definitely. I think, you know, and I'm sure Nick will be happy that we you know, managed to tie him down over the summer. I think he's one of those players that, you know, he gives us that, you know, I want to say control. He seemed quite, you know, level-headed most of the time. He can play, he can play a wonderful pass. And I think, you know, bringing in Alfred and Dia with him is that sort of partnership that we've been looking for in the midfield. With, you know, Luis Munoz is the midfield that we all want him to be, but obviously with injury problems, it's something that we've not been able to get the best out of him. So I think with those two in midfield, I think with more time together, we can hope for quite a good partnership. Alex, you have read my mind about my next question, which was going to be, does it look like we have our midfield for the season with Febas and Ndaye? How, how, Chris, how do you think uh, Ndaye performed in this game again? I think he did really well. Um, you start with Febas with my, um, with my uh, Bisnaga, but I also want to mention Ndaye um, to give him a... An honourable mention. Yeah, an honourable mention. So uh, you took that away as well. <laughs> well, I, I again, I think I noticed him in the first half a lot. Again, like we said with the um, the uh, who did we, I can't remember who did we just play at home? Why's my mind gone blank? Albacete, Albacete. Yeah. Um, like he seemed to be in the right place all the time, and there was a couple of times in this game where when Huesca did break forward and Dyer seemed to just catch up to them. And there was one tackle in particular where he started sliding in and I thought, oh, here we go. He's going to get a book in for this. And his leg just seemed to get longer. It was like a Inspector Gadget, like sort of go-go gadget legs where his leg just kept extending and he poked the ball away. And I was like, wow, this guy is like got crazy legs. And uh, yeah, he was brilliant again. And I, I think my only feeling with them two is I do think we need another player in there. And I know we've talked about 4-4-2 and 4-3-3 and 4-3-5-2 and whatever. But I think for them two to really work, we either need someone just in front of them or Febas to go further up and someone else along in die. Because I, I, I think we've sort of generally praised Fran Sol so far since he's come in. But I do feel a little bit like, and I... I, I Chris, I think, will be quite outraged with who I'm going to compare him to here. There's a touch of the Kaya Quintana's about him for me. He's better than him, but the way he runs around and stuff, and I don't know, does he, I don't think he was getting anywhere in this game. Am, am I being unfair, Chris? I forgot about Kaya Quintana <laughs> until, until you mentioned him. Sorry again. to bring him up again for you. Sorry to bring up that trauma. 
I don't want to think about Kai. I'm not even going to respond to this. Okay. Next question, Your Honor. Okay. Um, Alex, do, do you want to... Um, what have you made of France all so far? Because just for the record, I think he's been a good sign-in so far. And I think he will be a very useful player for us. But I think in this game in particular, I think we need someone... I, I don't know. There's something missing there between that midfield and Ruben Castro. And there were signs that Fransol would be it, certainly in the first game before he got injured. And in one of the other games, which I've forgotten about, he was very busy. Actually, when we won 3-1 against Mirandes. But I don't know. I'm, I'm Verdict's out for me a little bit still. What about you? Yeah, I think he's obviously a quality player and we've seen it against Malaga, <laughs> unfortunately, mm. too many times. Yes. But I think, you know, he, he seems to be busy. He's putting himself about. But I think, you know, it's a case of just, you know, it, he needs that little bit more time and we, we know he's got the the ability. So just hopefully we can stick at it for a bit longer. And like you said, that, that link between the midfield and Ruben Castro, I think, Maybe because it's a four-four-two, we need to add in, you know, change it to a four-five-one. Maybe have someone just behind Ruben Castro and him up top, or whether he needs someone up top with him. But it's just you're know, looking at a diamond midfield. You know, something needs to change in terms of getting service to him. And I think I saw Nick put out a tweet saying, you know, darting crosses to Ruben Castro or something like that yeah. along those lines don't work. Yeah. You know, don't try it sort of thing. And yeah, he's right. He was uh, referencing Juan Fran in particular, I think. Um, should say again, Juan Fran in this game. I think I made this point uh, last week or the week... No, I think it was last week where I was saying we're putting all these crosses in and they're just not getting anywhere. Juan Fran put eight crosses in in this game. I cannot remember many of them being very successful, if any of them. Um, just quickly on the midfield, you know, that midfield engine room... Um, Viabar in this game um, what did you make of him Chris? Uh, I made of him a player who comes from an injury okay um, that uh, is making his has it had, had his first uh, 90 minutes how long did he play? yeah he played most of the game I think he went off um, uh, well mm, I've got it written they came on 72 minutes he went off well it's the first time he started since his injury he still has a, a way to go. He has to get match fit and all, but it's a it's a good start. He wasn't that good, but let's not forget that he was a great player last season. And if we can see a little bit of that player this season, then we will have a lot of fun with him. That's, I think that's a very fair... You're being very fair tonight, Chris, and I think I'm being I the unreasonable one because I was going to say I, I didn't really notice him at all. Um I, I'd maybe because Alex Fairbass was just buzzing around everywhere, but I I don't think I'm making this up and saying that when he got subbed off, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot he was playing, and ironically he got subbed off for Husabed, who we've labelled that sort of invisibility cloak tag on before. But uh, yeah, like you said, I've noticed him this weekend. Okay, okay. Well, but it wasn't great. So. <laughs> okay, well we'll get to perhaps that um, shortly then. Um, so yeah, and Diet and Fairbass, good. Maybe we need. I, I just think we need some proper wingers, and maybe Gaillard play a little bit more central. That would be my solution. But uh, unless we can find a really good winger on a three, I don't think that's going to be happening anytime soon. Um, anyway, uh, second half performance, uh, Chris. 
Any thoughts more? I, it just felt like more of the same to me. I thought we kept the ball and were just very neat and tidy again. Definitely. And um, I was waiting for the uh, for the Malaga goal in the second half because Malaga was dominating, in my opinion. Yeah. And uh, we're getting a bit higher up. So I was waiting for the goal. And then... Um, yeah. How do you say it nicely? There was a goal. <laughs> Wesker gave us a high five with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was a bit like that. It was a bit like WWE with the chair, wasn't there? Of uh, just from yeah. nowhere. Um, just before yeah, so, we, <laughs> just before what else to say? Yeah, and from uh, and from that point, Malaga started to play the long long passes, and and that just doesn't work. No, um, yeah, Wesker, Wesker was. They were. The whole match, they've been uh, defending with uh, six or seven players and then they were uh, with ten men behind the ball. Yes. Uh, before we talk about uh, getting hit with the chair then, um, Alex, any thoughts on the second half performance? I, yeah, like Chris said, it, it's that, you know, whether it's sticking up with sorry, there's like the plane going overhead in case you hear any background noise, um, I think it's just, you know, sticking with the plan and if it's not working... Not, you know, in, in, I guess the phrase to be used, throwing your toys out of the pram and just going for that long ball, which doesn't work. I think, you know, Wesker obviously were biding their time and, you know, managed to get that goal in the sort of 60th, 62nd minute, I think it was roughly around then. And I think, you know, it is that thing where once we go a goal behind, you can, you struggle to see us getting back. And, you know, sometimes there, there are occasions where you worry it's going to be more like it was last power but we, you know, seem to hold them off. Maybe Wesco were just happy with the 1-0. But, no, I, I think it's that when it doesn't work, it all seems to go out the, uh, you know, out the window, like kind of a bit like Yeovil, really. When, when it doesn't work, you know, we revert back to football basics, which, <laughs> you know, are pretty, pretty, pretty horrible to watch sometimes. Yes, um, so we'll get to that goal. Um, I did sort of reflect on the point we're going to make here, or I think we're going to make here. Well, I, um, when I was running this evening, I was listening to uh, Football Weekly and they were talking about sometimes with football punditry and podcasts, um, football can be quite joyless because every time there's a goal, instead of celebrating the goal, we're always looking for, and we're guilty of it on this podcast, of saying, right, who are we going to blame for this goal? And I thought... Maybe we are being a bit harsh in who I think we're going to blame for this goal until I watch the goal back about 10 minutes before we started recording. So uh, Huesca do score um, from outside the box, sort of from nothing, really. But uh, Chris, are we going to put any blame on Manolo Reyna? I know this, this question was coming. I think in the first half, he saved a massive, massive chance mm. through the uh, uh, through the center of the goal. Yeah, with a, a, a stunning, amazing save. I'll be honest with you; I forgot about that till you just said about it. But I've just recalled it. <laughs> um, can you blame him? I don't think so. I think a lot of keepers, goalies, would have hmm. wouldn't have had this ball. You see, I think watching it back and I sort of my feeling on the night was I I said on last week's podcast and I know I don't I don't think we really 
berated him or slated him, but uh, we did sort of say we had a couple of issues with him. And my thing was, I sometimes feel like he's out of position for such an experienced goalie. And I feel like he was sort of a little bit too far across one side of the goal. And like I saw a few people on Twitter saying he should have, you know, stuck his arms out for it a lot more. And I don't think that was the issue. I think he was just too far away from it in the first place, which again, like you can credit the, um, you know, the goal scorer with putting it a bit in the corner. But uh, I don't know. I think there's a, he's got to look at that a bit. Um, I don't know about you, Alex. What, what about this goal? And I don't know any thoughts on Manolo Reyna overall since we discussed him in your absence last week? Yeah, I... I think you can maybe blame him. I think, you know, uh, it, could he be a bit further, you know, I think being so rooted and, you know, being a bit far out, obviously it gives you that advantage, you're closer to the ball. But I think, you know, for me, the, the people to blame, you, you could look at the defence being quite, you know, sitting back and giving the, the midfielder so much space. But then that's where you look at Ndiaye and Febas. You know, they're nowhere to be seen. I know that they've yeah. got to be seen to be trying to attack. But... You can't just attack. You've got to come back and help the defence. You can't leave, I think it was three, maybe four guys in, in, on the edge of the penalty area, unmarked, you know, with the, with about five yards of space around all of them. And you see Febas just sauntering back, not even making the effort to try and make the tackle. And the IA is obviously on another guy who's cut inside from the left. You, you know, and then Escassi's kind of forced to come out. Should he have been t- on him? I think probably yes. Both defenders, you know, shouldn't they should push up when they see the midfield aren't there. But I think the the blame has to be on the midfield really, giving them that okay. much space on the edge of the box. You know, it's just unacceptable at any level. I go. think Matt, because the ball is coming from the left side, you don't expect the shot. I didn't expect the shot until mm, it was coming. Point. Yeah, I suppose like when they scored, I was just like, oh. It, it, they've scored like they, they've shot and they've scored and because obviously yes. they hadn't really taken I think um, Alex said we took 11 shots uh, they'd they'd only taken eight but they had two on target I can't the other one I think was the one he uh, saved you mentioned earlier um, but yeah okay there's a bit of defensive Manolo Reina from Alex there and, and actually you Chris so uh, we're still pretty balanced on that one um, I think generally Malaga Twitter seemed to be a bit critical of him, but I'm wondering. I've been reflecting whether I think like Malaga, Malaga's Twitter has been critical with Ruben Castro and with a lot of people. Yes, I've noticed. Yeah, we haven't really uh, talked about uh, him and his goal scoring, or dare I say, lack of goal scoring. Um, maybe, maybe we can talk about that in the Tenerife part because that would be quite an interesting conversation to have there. I think. Um, just quickly, then, I think you've referenced it already, Chris. Um, we panicked. Um, we brought on Hosebed. Um, we brought on Hervias, who I still don't really quite know much about. I've not really what paid attention to him, so that's not critical of him. Did he? Um, did he surprise you? Did he? Hervias. Yeah. What do you think of? What did you think of him? I, that's why I said I just don't notice him. I've not not in a way that I don't mean that in like he goes missing way. I've just honestly not really paid attention to him that that's my fault i don't know why i've just not noticed him uh it's the same with closer bet i don't understand any of those changes hmm. and the, the other one i was going to mention he made was uh, Haitam. 
Yeah, well, I was just about to come to him because the other one he made was obviously taking off Juan De and bringing on Chavarria. But uh, yes, we were big champions of uh, David Larubia, I think, at the start of last season. Then we sort of turned our attention to Haitam before eventually we became, uh, we started championing Loren. But Haitam, we were quite big on towards the start of last season, I think, until he got sent off. Um, I thought he was great. He was great. Good. That's that covered. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping. Would you, would you start with the next week, maybe? Um, I would consider it. Like I keep, I think since I've been back for my Camino, my my sort of, I keep banging the drum for we need wingers, we need fast, tricky wingers, and there is one. He had a good shot. Um, and he had sort of a half chance where he shot from the edge of the box. Uh, why not start him? No, nothing else has worked so far, and he seemed very positive. Um, Alex, what about you? No, I think you know, for a young lad, obviously he had that one little blip when he got sent off. I can't remember who it was against. I think it was against Pompey. Was that? It might even be the Bifa. I think it was a Bifa where. Was it? I, I can't no, remember. I, can't remember. It, it? I think it was when he stuck his leg out. Kind of reminded me of Nani against Modric in the Champions League. But no, I think you know I'm all for it. And you know I'd rather in another substitution. I'd rather see Loren come on instead of Pablo Chavarria. Yeah, I agree. See what Pablo yeah, Chavarria. The shot is something I don't. For me, um, that's the mistake he makes. Yeah. Yeah, you know, Josevet last season. <laughs> I think I didn't see him anything from him, and yeah, you know, this season yet to be wowed um, so I'm all for trying out the youngsters and you know obviously Ramon I'd like to see more of I think you know we, we know what he can do but uh, I just yeah the subs sometimes questionable uh, I would say with Haitam as well just sorry Chris I'll just just quickly on Haitam um, we keep saying youngster 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 uh, he is 20 so it's not like he, <laughs> which is obviously still young but if you're going to produce these young players, when are you going to play them if you're not going to play them when they're hitting 2021? 20, uh, so, well, I, I am 36, Matt, so yeah. uh, that's a difference of 16 years, so he's still young. And I'm even young. Yes. Well, and sexy. <laughs> yeah, Alex Ashmore, probably, sexy. Alex Ashmore probably works on the fact that apparently we're really old, as we established last year, but Haitam's yeah. um, a little bit younger than him, so he probably sees them as yes. like a little kid or something. He, there's no balance uh anyway they were our subs um there's not really much to say about the end like you, i think you touched well, there is something go on go on then. because our professor returned with the match report did you guys see it yes <laughs> yes I, I, I didn't see this one i'll be honest with you i saw the one last week i have missed that i've been back to work this week busy i did yeah no worries it came out today okay and um it's very interesting because that's a new thing we have. We have a professional football coach um, whose name is a secret, um, but he uh, leaves us match reports every week and uh, he analyzes the matches and he does it very professional. And um, it comes with stats and a lot of stats. Because did you know, where did you think the most of our attacks came from? From the left side? The center or the right side? Well, I'm guessing the right side, but unsuccessfully from the right side. Yes, it came from the three um, percent came off the left side, twenty two percent came through the middle, and seventy four percent came from the left from the right side. 
Okay. So this says a lot about the left side, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I guess the right side was to what you know what we referred to earlier with Juan Fran getting crosses in and unsuccessfully. Um, I would have thought there was a bit more down the left because that's sort of where Febas was sort of dribbling down. So, I thought, but that surprises me. But, but yeah, that's no, um, but yeah, you well, could, there's a lot of sets there. Um, I, it's it's on our Twitter. It's on our. Um, on our Instagram, so you can check it out there. Um, but uh, yes, you can also see his opinion and where Malaga goes wrong and what the problem is and everything like that. Excellent stuff. He, Read it. He, yeah, yeah, I will. No, I just missed it there. I read it last week. Um, I, was, um, I You know, I, I do like digging into stats if I can find that they add some sort of rich context to the to the story or the narrative of the game. So, yeah, it's I like I love all that stuff coupled with, you know, seeing things with your own eyes as well. A bit old school like that. Um but yes, he is the El Professor as I said last week. Um well, I think I said off air. He's a bit like our Stig. <laughs> um yes. who is the man behind the white helmet or the the manager's cap. Um anyway, like you said, not much happened. We kept lumping the ball up towards Chavaria and co. Didn't work. Huesca just, it looked done and dusted in the last five minutes. So we're going to leave it there and go to our Jumbo and Viznaga. So, uh, Alex, to welcome you back, I'm going to let you go first with your Jumbo. I think for me, and I can't, for a player of his experience, and I'm still not a fan of him in that position, like, yeah, he plays well some games and then the other games he looks like he's never played there before in his life. And, you know, just, uh, I don't know, the goal could put some of the blame on him. So I'm going to go with uh, Eskasi. Oh, my God. Wow. I thought Eskasi was OK in this game. I thought he played quite well. Um, Chris? I'm f***ing sending Alex to Antarctica <laughs> all year to think about what he just said. <laughs> Who are you picking then, Chris? I don't know. Oh. I'll choose closer bit again. <laughs> okay, that's always, we're just just going with the same ones each week now, aren't we? But uh, yeah, he would have been up. For... <laughs> Actually, no, I wouldn't have gone with him. He didn't play long enough. I I'm, I was torn between uh, Viabar and Juan Fran, but you've sort of changed my mind a bit, Chris. So I'm going to go Juan Fran because I think he still needs to be just better. And like you said, the goal sort of came down the left. Um, okay, I'll choose Juan Fran as well. Okay. I don't want to be. I want to. Don't want to be boring with Josebet ever. Okay. Well, I, I've got a feeling we might be boring with the next one, as you've already said. Um, so, Alex, who are you going with, Biznaga? Uh, I think I'm going to go Febas. I think you know I liked what I see, and you know you should things. go with Escasi. <laughs> no, um, I, I, you know, I, I think you know a few things to improve on. Um, tracking back being one of them, but. Overall, I like what I see. Excellent stuff. And I, I'm going to go Fairbass too. Chris, I think you've already told us yours as well. Fairbass, honourable mention for um, NDIA and for uh, Alberto Escassi. Yep. And, and Haitam. Uh, always there. Yeah, I was going to give an honourable mention to Haitam, actually. But yeah, Ndai is definitely worth a shout too. Right. I don't really think there's much else to say about that game. So let's move on and talk about another away game coming up this Monday away to Tenerife.
is two away trips in a row for Malaga as they come off the back of heading to the north of Spain by heading to the very south, away from the mainland and towards Tenerife as they take on Tenerife on Monday night. As always, when we play Tenerife, it is great to be joined by the man that can give us the lowdown on the club, Chris Todd of the Armada Sioux fan group. Chris, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. And and how is the off the pitch? Um, obviously we will be talking about how Tenerife are doing on the pitch, but off the pitch, how is the fan group going? Very well. Uh, record amount of season ticket holders this year, uh, 102. So um, it's up from 80 last season. Oh, and so it's all positive stuff. Filling coaches week in, week out, even though we've had silly kickoff times and days. Um even next Monday, you know, Monday night, eight o'clock is not ideal. And then we had one at nine o'clock on a Sunday night. And, but we're still we're still busy, so that's that's good. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Uh, you know, getting another twenty on board is very impressive. That must be a a playoff bounce, maybe. But uh, yes, we will yeah. we will talk about. Uh, Sadly for you, we're going to talk about this season more than last season uh, shortly. Um, Before we get on to that, um, as well as having our usual Tenerife expert, Chris, joining us today, um, we're also delighted to offer you the views of uh, Spanish Segunda's very own Alex Fitzpatrick. Um, He's offered for um, each episode we do, offering us a one or two minute summary of our opponents to give us a snapshot with his uh, Segunda expertise. Um, instead of us floundering around trying to say something about our opposition, which, you know, I think sometimes was quite charming when we were trying to just talk about uh, who's our favourite mascot and things like that. Um, but um, this is the first time Alex is going to give us our, um, yes. his insight into uh, ten. Well, this time Tenerife. So um, I shall play that and then I will check with Chris. Has he been accurate in his and, snapshot? And if not, we throw Alex out again. Yeah. <laughs> but, and uh, if you're listening and you have any complaints, you can uh, file your complaint in at the uh, Segunda, Segunda show. Yeah, there you go. So it, it's... It, <laughs> so here's Alex giving us a summary of Tenerife. Malaga travelled to Tenerife on Monday night and it's a great time to be playing the team that finished as playoff finalists last season, of course, losing in that playoff final to Girona. They are a tough nut to crack, but it could possibly be the best time to play them because they've got around nine players out injured and not just squad players either, starting players they've had to play uh, central defenders in midfield of late. So their starting eleven will likely be, well, whoever's fit and available and possibly a couple of those will be nowhere near 100% fitness Anyway, look out for Cordadera in central midfield. He really knits it together nicely for them. And Gallego up front is a big lump, a terrific battle horse of a player. They are sturdy at the back, of course, and organising a nice 4-4-2. But Ramis has got his work cut out to get anything from this game. Definitely the best time for Malaga to be facing Tenerife this season. So there you go. So the first question we got to ask Chris is, is this the best time for Malaga to be playing Tenerife, as Alex tells us? Yeah, he, well, he's spot on. I don't know if it's the best time, because usually when Tenerife are up against it, we, we pull out, you know, a, great, a good uh, performance. When we're, everything's in our favour, then we'll fail. So I'm quite confident about next Monday night. 
And as I said on the radio today, the local radio, well, Malaga aren't exactly great either. So uh, it's probably got a draw written over it, I think. But uh, it'll be interesting act. I think um, I think we'll just edge it somehow. I don't know why, but I just think we've had a, a difficult start. We were away to Abar, the first one, and Levanta, two away trips you might have lost anyway. And then we won against Lugo. And uh, the, the last week, Ed was disappointed against Ibiza to lose there. So yeah. it's early days and we're not too worried at the moment. Yeah. Um, Alex Ashmore, having listened to Alex Fitzpatrick, uh, how do you feel about uh, that little summary there? I mean, I want to be excited, but... I can just, you know, I, I always has that feeling in the back of my head that, you know, with Malaga, you never take anything for, for granted. And, you know, even if it is the best time to play, I think, you know, if Malaga were playing Yeovil this week, I'd still be a bit nervous. Um, this is now criticism on Yeovil, but uh, I just think, you know, we've got to come into the game as if it was a normal game, not expect to win. And, you know, Tenerife will be a tough test no matter where they are on the table, no matter what form they're in, as Chris said. You know, they could be backs against the wall, but they're, you know, fired up to, to get out of that situation. So, you know, I think it's just concentrating on what we do and trying to improve on the things that we're, we're you know, not doing so well. Um, and what about you, uh, Chris Marquez? What, what did you make of uh, that summary of Tenerife? I think uh, it's a good moment to face them, but I'm still also a bit scared. I thought it was a nice audio. So for me, Alex can return every week and do this every week. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, yes, definitely. Um, a nice little snapshot there. Um, yeah. Just to dig a bit deeper than uh, Chris, as in Chris Todd. I forgot about this mix-up of getting lots of Chris's and Alex's again. Um, uh, you know, we've we've referenced already that you guys were in the playoff final last year. Um what's perhaps changed over the summer? Because I, I had a quick look and I think this includes loan deals expiring, etc. that you've had, um, you've made like 15 signings and 16 players out or something like that in regards of numbers. Has that had a big impact on Tenerife's start of the season? Yeah, definitely. I think as well, the, I think the players were, they came back mentally tired. We only had, well, the final was on the 19th of June. They were back at pre-season on July the 11th, three weeks in a holiday. And the, the deception from not going up, I think, has affected some players. And they've come back tired, physically tired, and some are still injured from last season. Maybe they should have had treatment. Um, our English lad, Sam Shashoa, he should have gone for an emergency operation. And he's left it and left it. And now he'll be missing for three months because he's just been to America at a groin operation. And uh, it's just a mixture of everything. As I said, well, there's more as 10 have come in, 10 new signings, and 14 have left the club. So when you put in all the injuries, all the cat, the, the changes, it's um, it, the team, team's not going to gel yet. I, I'm not yet, uh, worried yet because if, if we'd have lost the Ibiza in, say, mid-October with a full team out, 1-0, with not much heart shown, I would have thought, oh dear, we're in for a bad season here but uh, the moment the players that we brought in like Ivan Romero from Sevilla and Waldo from Valladolid they haven't been playing regular football for so long and if people just expect them to to come in and do the business uh, it's, it's not going to happen you know 
and, and also, I think, uh, in the centre of the, the midfield, uh, well, we love Aitor Sands, but he's 38 now. And Carlos Ruiz is 40, touching 40, centre-half. Those two, the other day, the pain in 32 degrees heat. Uh, we lost the centre of the midfield, and Alex Corradella, he is uh, one of our star players, but he's in pain. He's having um, injections pre-match to well, the pain, you know, and it's not ideal. It's a not ideal setup at the moment. So uh, I think Malaga have got every chance. But as I said, I think there's a bit of uh, pica they say in Spanish between mm. Malaga and Tenerife. I think we're fired up for it. So uh, and with the fans behind, we're still behind the, the team definitely. There's not uh, many professional leagues, I think, where there is a 41-year-old striker against a 40-year-old centre back. So that should be. Quite an interest. It's like um, the old Masters football they used to have on uh, Sky Sports uh, maybe 10, 15 years yeah. ago. Um, and with the Zimmer frames. <laughs> well, one thing I... We don't really like Ruben Castro because he's from Las Palmas and of he's course. given a stick in the past. So it's, uh, but we love um, Fransol. We've, uh, he's a hero here. Oh, we've, we've just been talking about Fransol, actually, about... Uh, his mixed start to Malaga, where we've praised him quite a bit on the podcast so far. And I, I was being a little bit more sceptical about him this past week, but I, I might have been a bit rash, I think. Um, what, one other thing I noticed, and again, this is this is sort of just looking at stats and things like that. And um, it'll be interesting, to, you know, if you can give some context to these stats. But um, two things jumped out at me was that in, obviously, we're five games into the season, You've, your games have featured four red cards, two of them for Tenerife. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but you, you are the team that has made more tackles than any other team in the league. Um, is Are Tenerife a particularly bruising team or are they just stats which don't tell give us the full picture? Well, I don't think they tell the whole story. Mm. I think it's just because um, we give possession to the other team. <laughs> so we're allowed to make more tackles. And because uh, we got so old uh, in the centre of the park, we're uh, mistiming them and they're getting yellow cards and say eight or we love him, but he's, he's, he was supposed to play a bit part this season um, and he's been forced to play every single game because there's no one else to bring in. Um, so I don't know about the fouls. I mean, maybe uh, we, I don't know how many yellow cards we have or anything, but mm. uh, we need to look at that situation because... I don't mind giving away yellow cards for fouls and here and there, but when you're back chatting to the ref, that's not that's not good. Well, um, like I said, this is, if my understanding is correct, this is most successful tackles. So, you, like you said, you're giving the ball away, but you're very successful at getting it back, it seems. So, uh, that's a worry. Well, we win it and then we give it away again. That's <laughs> why we have to win it back so many times. But um, uh, one lad to look at, it's not all doom and gloom, because we have a young lad coming through called Teto, who is um, just 20 and he's, he could be something like you, Pedri. I don't want to build him up too much. But What's his name? form of play, you know, and he'll probably start next Monday night, I think. Yeah. What's his name, Laptop? Uh, Teto, T-E-T-O. Teto, okay. Okay. Because obviously uh, Las Palmas have their sort of next Pedri already in the form of... Uh, 
Malero. So it's it's good to hear you've got your own one as well. Um, He's from Tenerife as well, that that, that, that that lad. So we've missed two big uh, names now that have gone through. <laughs> you need to, you need, yeah, you need to keep an eye on the ferry port and check the people who are leaving and going across <laughs> the water. Um, can can you play football? Well, maybe you should hang about a little bit longer. Um, we we inevitably before we finish this section are going to perhaps talk about our own manager who um, could maybe be gone after this game. We will see. Um, is there any talk of uh, Luis Miguel Ramos being in danger after your sort of slightly shaky start? Yeah, Ramis. Um, Ramis, sorry. He's well. He's he's been questioned ever since we've, he's been here, really, because of his style of football. But a lot of people, well, the results come in, what can you say? Um, he's a bit negative sometimes, especially in away matches. Uh, Ibiza were there for the taking. They, I know we lost, but they're the worst team I've seen in a long time. I can't see them staying up on what mm-hmm. I saw the other day. I know, even though we lost, it's a little bit funny to say that. Uh, I think Ramis, for me, I would keep him to at least Christmas and see. But obviously, if we do lose next Monday and then we've got a couple of difficult away games... Well, if you're going to get a point there, maybe they'll start uh, the room room as they call it here. <laughs> but I uh, don't. For me, no, no. He's he's job safe for a few months at least. For me, I mean, we finished fourth on a mid-table budget last yeah. season, so he has to have some merit, some credit behind him. To we shouldn't just chop and change too much, you know. Yeah, um, we've got to ask as well about a former. Giri cast favourite. Uh, how is our old friend Juan Soriano doing? How's he started? Uh, what the Tenerife keeper? Yes. Ah, uh, well, he's he's one of our better players and uh, hasn't had much luck so far. But um, yeah, we were lucky to keep him in the summer. I think uh, he's he's one of the favourites. Definitely, we kept the backbone of the team, but they're just they're not hundred percent fit or they're injured or they just come back tired. And so that's uh, that's a worry, but uh, I, th- I think we'll be all right come October, November. But to finish in the top six again at the moment, it doesn't look like we can do that. But you never know in football. You never know, especially in Segunda. Um, on Malaga, then um, Alex, we 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 did bring his name up briefly in the last section. We said maybe we'll leave it aside for this part, and um, obviously. Chris has just given us a little bit of extra context, which I'd forgotten about, actually, the whole link with Las Palmas. Um, We're not getting Ruben Castro many chances. And admittedly, like he has had chances, which he hasn't scored. So what do you think is the key to Malaga, first of all, creating more chances and also getting the most out of Ruben Castro? It's obviously, you know, something we're struggling with. I think maybe, you know, it sounds balmy, but you know, obviously, I'm not qualified as a manager, as a coach. Uh, I wouldn't be out of position to tell Guede what to do. But I think maybe just have a look at, you know, obviously speak with with Ruben Castro, and you know, we we obviously worked out that crosses is not the one. You've got to maybe give the ball at his feet, or he likes to run onto balls. But you know, work with him, and I think you know, whether that's dropping in a man behind him, or you know, just playing with two wingers in a 4-3-3 or a diamond four in the midfield. Obviously, the flat 4-4-2 doesn't seem to be getting them the service that we want because he scored, you know, we want him to be scoring 
you know, maybe 15 goals, 20 goals. That would be like the ideal. That's why we've signed him. You know, if we can get that out of him, you know, 10 to 15 would be fantastic. So, you know, I, I think you know, you've got to look at changing things up. And yeah, obviously, we, we want to be patient, but you can't be stubborn. Um, what about you, Chris? What, what do you think we can do to get more out of him? Um, not play the long balls. Uh, use the wings more. That's it, basically. Yeah, I think uh, again, I'll just say it again. We need we need fast wingers, and to be honest with you, until you mentioned it in the last section when we were talking glowingly about High Tam's cameo in the last game, and one of you said, "Should he start?" I was like, "Well, actually, yeah, maybe, maybe he should start." So, um, while we're talking about the start in eleven, uh, is there anything? drastic you would change because obviously we praised this 4-4-2 a couple of weeks ago and uh, it's gone a bit flat again um, not just the way it's uh, set out on the pitch either um, what, what could we maybe change or who would you like to see come in Alex? I think you know I, I think that midfield is you know I, I like it as is maybe uh, I think you know have the wingers push up a bit further far or just you know bring in high time I think you know try out some of these youngsters Loren up front for a bit with Ruben Castro maybe or you want to keep Fransol on then you know add in another striker play a 4-3-3 or you know just I think not not keeping with the same formation and just sort of you know keep going oh we keep trying it every week one week it will click that's obviously not going to work you've got to change things and I think you know maybe time to, to just switch things up play Gaillard in a more central position or you know just try something new. Uh, I think yeah, it's got to be the thing. Got to be the thing that we look to do. Yeah, and uh, Chris, I think we we didn't really mention it in the news, but I think it's perhaps a good time to mention it here. It'd be really useful if we had a really dynamic all-action centre midfielder, um, which Luis Munoz is. But uh, I think he's picked up a pretty bad injury. Yeah, a muscle injury. He will be out. Well, they're still running some tests later this week, but he, it is, it's confirmed today by the club that he has a missile injury. And the expectations are, from what we made in Sport Direct Radio, that he will be out with somewhere between two and four weeks. weeks. But that's not information from the club. That's okay. that's something we said. The club never gives any uh, time. Okay. That's, any. Yeah, so, you know, he. I think he would be great alongside um, Ndaye with Fairbass in front. He would be perfect, but... Uh, Sadly, it's uh, it's not going to be for a little while longer. Um, I guess we've got to mention it here. We asked uh, Chris about uh, Tenerife's manager and was there any sort of jeopardy around him? And uh, Chris said he's all for supporting him. It's fair to say there is a large portion of Malaga fans, um, I'd say the majority, who are not backing Pablo Guede as manager anymore. And obviously at the start, we talked about the graffiti daubed across the training ground. Um, I asked you and Nick last week, Chris, so I'm going to start with you for this. Um, are you Pablo Guede Vettia or are you still Pablo Guede Puede? I think I'm still Pablo Guede Puede because I don't think and I, I, I find it very unlogical if we're going to sack every coach that, that, that loses four games. Hmm. I guess the thing is, there's the some people maybe pointed out that although he kept us up last year, 
he maybe kept us up because there were teams below us who were not so good. Yes, but you cannot you cannot um, judge him on last season because last season wasn't his team. He came in sure. a team where there was no team in a horrible <coughs> situation. I don't think it's, it's, it's fair to, to judge him from everything last season. Okay. Um, obviously, we haven't really had a chance to ask, ask Alex about his views on this since he's been gallivanting around the Americas. So, Alex, you've had time to think about this on all your travels. Are, are you Pablo Guede Vettayar or Pablo Guede Puede? It's cold in, in Antarctica, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't think I'm Pablo Guede Vettayar. I think... Uh, um, uh, yeah, it just it feels balmy to sack someone at this stage of the season when he's only had, as Chris said, but you know, so little time with his own squad, and it's you know, thirteen odd new players. You've got to you've got to allow him some time, and it's just you know whether that's you know till Christmas or whether that's till the end of the season. You know, there's got to be some sense behind it. Obviously, if the results keep the way they are, then you've got to look at making a change. But but here far, comes the question. Here comes the question. Are we sure the problem is Gwede? Wow. No. Because last season, we we have had four uh, managers in one year time, or in a little bit more than a year time. Are we sure we're sacking a manager again? Because wow. if Gwede is not the problem, we will sack five more managers this season. I guess the issue is with Gwede, though. He decided that the problem was this group of young players and certain um, bad habits which had been, you know, um, entered the dressing room and he labelled that as the problem and he's got rid of that problem. So now it's sort of on him a bit more, I think. And, uh, no, no, that's not true because Manolo Gaspar said Guede had nothing to do with the squad. The okay. squad is fully my responsibility. Okay, fair enough. Well... I, I sympathise with him because obviously there's a few players in that group I thought were good. <laughs> yeah, but, but, but we we'll so leave it. Now is the question, are we checking uh, a manager who, it can be his fault, but we're not sure, or should we we, we um, get rid of Manolo, or, or, it's, or is it the fault of uh, Manolo Gaspar who, who made this team? Mm. And is it the unbalanced team again where we miss players in several positions? Yes. Yes. It's a big question. Um, Chris. What do you think, Matt? Um, I, I, I'm personally, I think Spain is getting to me a bit because I, I would like to say I'm all for, I'm all about giving managers time. And I'm not, I, I would say I'm a, I'm now a Pablo Guede Puede skeptic rather than a Pablo Guede Vettiar person. Uh, I'm, there's there's something I don't oh, I don't know is I I think the recruitment's not been great as everyone keeps praising the re- recruitment but when I look at this team now I keep saying I think there's just these gaps so I don't know can Manolo Gaspar be sacked can he sack himself who sacks him I don't know but uh, um, so is it then maybe if we look back at last season isn't then Manolo Gaspar who makes mistakes and should get sacked. Possibly yes. I don't know how that works. Because if 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 we keep sacking managers, the problem will uh, repeat itself every six or seven matches. Yes, possibly yes. Uh, 
Tenerife, Chris, listening to us talk about our manager being on the brink. Does this give you any more optimism? Um, well, I, I was glad you didn't sack him before the <laughs> match because I, I always hate playing, you know, a manager on his first game. Yes. So um, I don't know. Uh, I don't think it comes into it for the next Monday. Anything can happen, which is the beauty. That's why you go to football and anything can happen Monday. So it's the only game in the whole of Europe, you know. Yeah. So the spotlight is on us. Oh, uh, so let's, hopefully if it's uh, going to be a good game, three, three all or some, well, four, three to seven. <laughs> goals, uh, yeah. uh, but uh, and none of you coming over. It, honestly, if it, I was debating if it'd been a Saturday because I can only really do Saturdays because obviously I'm a school teacher. But so no, yeah. but I've, I've, it's one of the ones I'd say of all the away trips in Segunda, it's the one I sort of look for when the fixtures come out, because obviously it's quite easy to get to Tenerife from Malaga, but um, there's always flights and it just never yeah. falls quite right. Um, and the return leg is on it. Jan the, sorry, I'll turn the return legs on Jan the 8th, oh, okay. which is the latest and the flights are cool. expensive. So I'm not sure if I'm coming over, but we'll see. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> on, I was thinking about it, but there's something going on in the North of Europe with gas prices, where we depend very much on gas. <laughs> Yes. Which is not pretty funny. No, definitely not. Um, yeah, I'm going to try and go. Um, am I in a Cartagena? That's in my half term. So Cartagena away is my the one I've got my eyes on at the moment. And then Levante away is during the Puente um, around it, at the start of December. So they're the two I've got my eyes on. And uh, yes, we'll see what happens. But. Uh, for now, we, we go away to Tenerife or Malaga, do we? Don't. Um, Chris, do, do you want a quick, as in Marquez, do you want to give a prediction of uh, Chris? Chris Todd has said he wants a 4 3. I don't know if he thinks that's realistic or not, but what, what do you think is going to happen, Chris Marquez? I'm going to say 1 2 because um, I, I, I promised myself and all the listeners that I'll stay positive this season. Um, so. You are, you what? are, you are being much more reasonable. Yes, yes. I, I feel like I'm, I'm I being more. I don't know more... how long because it's <laughs> it's costing me a lot. Yes, it's costing me a lot of energy. I think, um, I think the um, the loan sale of uh, Kevin has turned me unreasonable, and I'm acting like a a brat and spoiled teenager and more erratic than usual. So, uh, but I, I'll recover, I'm sure. Um, Alex, what about you? I'm going to be optimistic. Uh, I'm going to go with a 1 0 Malaga win. Uh, you know, I had a slight feeling I was going to go with a 0 0, but I reckon we'll, we'll just, just about get a goal and, you know, come home with the three points. I'm going to go. I'm going, I'm going to go with Chris. I'll, I'll, I'll be optimistic and say 2 1 away as well, but that's, I, I can't say I've got my full heart behind that prediction. Uh, and finally, down in Tenerife, Chris, do you, do you want to give us a prediction? Uh, I'll go for uh, 3-1. I think we're going to put it in. We're due a good win because uh, the, the first home game, we, we should have been falling up at half-time. Oh, it just didn't work out. I think I'll go for 3-1. Sorry. Okay. No, that's fine. No problem. That is no problem at all. Um, and like you said, I do quite like, I was unaware that we were this sort of, had this spotlight on us Monday. So I hope we do. Uh, the Monday night slot proud. So um, I'll just finish, first of all, by saying a big thank you to Chris for joining us from Tenerife again. Um, do you want to say to people where they can find you on Twitter and 
all that stuff? Yeah, well, we have a Facebook page, Armada Sir, and uh, the Twitter is Tenerife Football Plus. Um, we've got about two and a half thousand members mm-hmm. now, so it's it's going well on on that front. And in Tenerife, uh, the Toby Jug is where we like the main uh, uh, pub that we uh, meet up in, and uh, that's it basically. Yeah, and we run coaches to every all the home games, a bit like uh, the the Giddy Army yeah. in Malaga. Yeah, and obviously. Um... You know, we have a lot of listeners in the UK and many of them will go to Tenerife on holidays. And, you know, maybe now the summer prices are, you know, gone down a bit. So why not go and watch a Tenerife game? Um, If you're quick, maybe get there for Monday and maybe back Malaga for us because we're not going. But go to a game any time of the season. Um, So thank you, Chris. If any Malaga fans want to come on with us Monday, I mean, I'm more than welcome. It's not a problem. Yeah. There you go. Get in touch with Chris there. And I will say a thank you to Chris Marquez. Thank you. And uh, the Malaga women are now playing against Granada and it's nil-nil still. Okay, there's a nice live score update there. And thank you for joining us again, Alex. It's good to have you back. Good to be back. And looking forward to to getting back into the hard work. And we did the whole episode, and I can't believe Chris has not mentioned it, so I'm going to throw in now, um, the pole dancing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, we yes, did, Alex. We did enjoy your pole dancing videos, as horrifying oh. as it was. <laughs> Do you still have it, Alex? Say again, sorry? Do you still have it? I think I still have the video, yeah. I should add for context here, this, this is Alex Ashmore on a pole dancing. He wasn't in some dodgy club. Well, it probably was a dodgy club in Peru, was it? It was in Teatron in Bogota, the oh. largest gay club in South America. <laughs> did, it, did it make your parents proud? Uh, they don't. <laughs> okay. Well, if you're listening, um, mum and dad, go check yes. out your son's Instagram. And that seems a perfect place to finish. So thank you, the listener, for listening to this week's GearyCast. I've been Matt Harrison. You've been listening to the GearyCast on Sport Direct Radio. Adios and vamos Malaga.